This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So we're going to get some tips for debt and other money matters. It's a two-part. It's a two-parter. This segment is the first of two, uh, and it's so great because Blair is going to give us some tips on managing personal debt, our money, and really lots of other financial affairs. Um, so Blair, let's start because you are a licensed insolvency trustee, really important to make note of that. One of a thousand in Canada, are we still at that number? Yeah, I think we're in the 900s, but yeah, it is, it's 900? not getting bigger. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. It's no. not getting, see, yeah. I think it should be getting bigger because it's such a great business to be in, to be helping people and being, you know, totally responsible for helping them and federally regulated to help them. I, I don't know, I think it's a great idea. So if you're thinking about some career change, you might want to think about that. So let's talk about what a licensed insolvency trustee does, because not everybody knows what that means even. Yeah, that, that's the biggest challenge, Elaine, is a lot of people just aren't aware that this professional and LIT licensed insolvency trustee even exists, and that there was someone that we are someone you can reach out to on a confidential, no-cost basis to get some help for your debt. So a trustee is the only designated professional by the federal government to provide legal debt management services for Canadians. So as a trustee, I've got the authority, the power to assist people in managing their debts, and if they need the help of federally supervised debt restructuring legislation like a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, I've got the ability to license from the government to help them restructure their debts legally, help them start again, get a fresh start. So what a trustee does on a day-to-day basis, I meet with people, uh, give them confidential debt advice, I assist them with their debt solutions like a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy, Um, but my main job when I meet someone is just to help them understand what their options are, help them weigh all of those options, and come to a really good decision that they can believe in that's going to put them on a good path to being debt-free, whatever that that path might look like. Now, I bet a majority of the people that come in or that you meet with on Zoom or however you meet with them, uh, dealing with debt for a majority of us would be so overwhelming and feel pretty hopeless at times. It absolutely can feel that way, Elaine. And when we study our our client base, we've done annual surveys for the last 10 years, it's consistently between one in five and one in six people are actually having suicidal thoughts about their debts and just can't see a way out other than that. So it's so gratifying to me and and to my colleagues just knowing the impact we can have on others because people tell us all the time, like how bad their life was before, um, you know, how they were driving to, you know, five different payday lenders as soon as their pension check got put into their car, sorry, got put into their bank account. Um, because they didn't want to miss any payments. So when you sit down with with a trustee, you really get a chance to to just click pause on all of that hectic uh, life you might be having of trying to keep everybody happy and not being able to do so from a financial point of view and get a professional working on your side that's going to help you restructure the debt and get some sort of a quality of life back. And absolutely, people do find our services life-changing. So more than 90% of people who filed either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy said that the debt option 
allowed them to feel good about the demands of their daily financial life. Before they had come to see us, it was under 20% of people felt that good about it. So it's consistently people feel very strongly, positively, um, that getting some debt restructuring advice really helped them, and they want others to be aware of it. So other than people finding us online or hearing us on the radio, our biggest source of clients um, is people we've helped before who choose to tell friends and family members who are having trouble that Sands & Associates is a safe place for them to go for help. Excellent. Can we talk a little bit about um, sort of the tips for folks for money management that that are general enough uh, that everybody could benefit from, uh, mm-hmm. but also very specific and, and down to earth, and, and this, this information has been helpful to lots of people before? With pleasure. Yeah, the first one, um, and, and this one, I sometimes, you know, you hear different misconceptions about this, but it's really clear, file your taxes every year and file them on time. So sometimes people will say, well, you know, you don't need to file if the government owes you money or it's no big deal to get a few years behind, but it's a civic obligation every year to file your taxes. And we've said it oftentimes on this show, and it's true, it's way worse um, to not file your taxes than to file your taxes and owe the government money. At least if you filed your taxes and you owe the government money, they know you're keeping your end of the bargain, filing their returns every year. The government knows you're going to owe them money regardless, so just by not filing your taxes, you get yourself put into a category where the government is way more likely to take aggressive collection actions against you or even do what's called an arbitrary assessment, which is where essentially they just pick some numbers, maybe look at your bank account, maybe not, and say, okay, well, this is your taxes for this year. We filed it for you. You, you owe us a bunch of money now, and by the way, if this isn't accurate, you better disprove it with some good documentation, which can be a bit tough to do. And even if that doesn't apply to you, if it's not so you know uh, complicated in your in your personal situation, if you don't file or if you file late, you could be risking delaying some credits or benefits that you're entitled to. So things like those GST credits, the Canada Child Benefit, which can be hundreds of dollars a month for certain families, you may not get that unless you're filing your taxes every year. Um, things like OAS or GIS, all these acronyms that really can make big differences to people when they're getting their income from the government. Uh, And then finally, if you don't file on time and and pay what's owing, you can be hit with penalties and interest. Um, They can be significant. They can compound daily. So just really important, even if you owe money, get the taxes filed. Uh, It's just the right thing to do every year. Yeah. Um, I such yeah, it's just so important. I, I've known people over the years who have not paid and, you know, just let them pile up year after year. And I just kind of shake my head. I think, oh, my gosh, that would be st- so stressful to know that that's sitting there waiting to be dealt with. And then, you know, you, you're really at the behest of the government at that point. There's so many things that can go wrong with you, more things that can go wrong with you than right with you, I would think. Mm hmm. Yeah, and sometimes I've had individuals that, you know, didn't file taxes and were doing everything by cash. And, you know, when they come to retirement age, they haven't paid into CPP. So guess what? They're not going to get any CPP. So it can be really right. quite quite an impact to them later in life. You know, people just trying to live off the grid and not file taxes. It's just better just get within the system, file the taxes every year. And if you want more reasons to know why it's so important to do that, uh, go to Sands & Associates' website. It's just filled with such good information, well-worded questions, and really thoughtful, articulate answers, uh, if that would help you move move your situation along a little bit. The address is sands-trustee.com, or you can give them a call if you already know you want to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee. It's 1-800-661-3030. I love that your number two is having a budget and using a budget as a tool and not thinking of it as a punishment. Because I got to say, I have thought that in the past that a budget is a bit of a punishment sometimes. 
Yeah, and as I was putting the, the, the notes together we're going to talk about today, I just thought, wow, this is a bit of an analogy to a crash diet. You know, if you put yourself on a diet that, you know, I'm going to drop a ton of weight and it's just a temporary thing and I don't allow myself any indulgences whatsoever, well, you know that's just, just planning to fail. Obviously, you're going to gain the weight back and it's not going to be a permanent way to live. So the problem that pe- many people run into is they make a budget for an ideal state, an ideal situation, something they aspire to, but it's just not realistic and you're not helping anybody and certainly not your motivation if you're setting a budget, but then every month you're finding, well, the budget just didn't work. It didn't work again and again and again. You eventually just get demoralized. So the biggest advice here is to be realistic when you're setting up a budget and to give yourself some room for a general spending allowance because sometimes things that are unforeseen just will come up. So if you have your budget just down to the dollar with no flexibility at all, you're not going to be able to absorb any shocks. But you've also got to make sure, too, that your budget is setting itself up for success. So allow yourself some fun some entertainment, some things that, you know, will give you some joy in life. And if it's the case that, you know, your budget just won't provide for the necessities and the debt payments, so on and so forth, well, then that's a big trigger that reaching out to a licensed insolvency trustee can help you uh, figure out how to fix that budget by taking away the debt, hopefully reducing or significantly eliminating um, the debt payments that are there. I think one of the last points on a budget is just to make sure that you do revisit the budget. So setting the budget at the beginning of the month and then not actually tracking how did I do against it at the end of the month, you're missing about 90% of the benefit there because you can't correct the behavior unless you know exactly uh, where it went wrong. Excellent. Can we skip um, a little bit ahead and talk about, because I think this is so important. I remember the very first time I heard this as something not to do, and that's about if you already have RRSPs and you're in a, and you owe some money, uh, what not to do with that money in the RRSP? Yeah. Yeah, this, if we've talked about nothing else today, or if people remember nothing else, don't cash in your RRSPs to pay your debt. So full stop, it's almost always a bad idea. I've never seen a situation where it was a good idea, um, but still people are doing this, and it, it breaks my heart when I see someone who's done this because they thought they had no other option. So very clearly, RRSPs are federally protected assets. So regardless of what a collector might tell you or what the bank might say, nobody can seize your RRSP funds as long as they've been in your account for more than 12 months. So 100% of your RRSP can be safe, and this changed in about 2008, and it's been a long time now, uh, to protect RRSPs, but people didn't know that. So previous to the law changing, if you filed a bankruptcy, you would lose your RRSPs. So people cashing them in to pay debt, well, they might have lost them either way, so that was fine. But the laws changed significantly years ago, so RRSPs are fully protected. And what happens when you cash in RRSPs is you often have a more significant tax bill than you anticipated because it gets added to your income at the highest tax rate. So often you get less money than you thought. You may have a tax bill to pay at the end of the year. And then the triple impact is now you don't have that money there for you when you're actually going to need it. It's not going to be there for your retirement if it's been used to pay debt. So if you're considering cashing in RRSPs to pay debt, please stop, speak to a licensed insolvency trustee and do everything with eyes wide open. And I think you'd make a different decision knowing that they are protected and you do have options to deal with the debt and keep the RRSPs. The other thing that I remember learning from you the very first time we sat down was about co-signing a debt, trying to give somebody a hand, help them out. Oh, I can do this. I'm not giving them any money, but I can support them in them paying off this debt by co-signing. And uh, you have some very clear, clear rules on that. 
Yeah, you know, in, in simple terms, when is it wise to co-sign a debt? Almost never is the answer. And I have people in my office, you know, on a, on a weekly basis who sometimes they're ready to go on a debt solution, but the issue is one of their debts is co-signed, and as soon as they start to restructure their debt, well, that co-signer is now going to be on the hook for 100% of the debt. And that's how it works with co-signing is a joint and several liability. So it's not a 50-50 split. If you co-sign for somebody else and they don't pay, you're on the hook for 100% of that debt. And a lot of people, when they co-sign, they say, you know, I was never expecting to pay it or I was never expecting to pay all of it if I had to. So it can result in, an, you know, a really bad obligation for the co-signer and it can impact personal relationships, add a whole emotional layer to things if it's a friend or family member. So it's generally just not a wise thing to do to co-sign debt. Again, investigate your options. Sometimes the bank might know something that you don't. If they're not willing to loan you money under your own accord and they want a co-signer brought in, maybe that's a good indication that you need to be having a professional evaluate your overall situation. Yeah, having a different conversation with a different person. And let's finish with that. What is the best way for people to get in touch with a licensed insolvency trustee for advice, Blair? Well, you can reach out to us, find us online at sans-trustee.com or call us at 310-0911. It should never cost you money to find out your financial options. And with Sands and Associates, all consultations are free, confidential, and we're generally able to act very, very quickly to deal with urgent situations. Excellent. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about what bankruptcy means in Canada. It's really about understanding the basics of personal bankruptcy in Canada, because it's a little different, certainly in the United States, or maybe a lot different, depending on your perspective. But Blair's going to explain what it means to declare personal bankruptcy here, as well as debunk some of the common myths around this very often misunderstood legal debt relief process. Okay, Blair, so can you take us through what it means to file for bankruptcy in Canada? I know that's a big question, um, but I, the fact that it's so different than what we sort of see on television dramas every week or hear about in the United States. Yeah, you know, in, in just the, the fewest word possible, bankruptcy is not as bad as you think. And we've got a YouTube video on our channel with that title, and it's many people have this preconceived notion that bankruptcy is going to be you know, incredibly public, intrusive, they'll lose everything, they'll never recover, um, and none of those things are true. We're going to talk about a bunch of factors today of why bankruptcy can make a whole lot of sense for a lot of people and can be such a key step to enable them to have a much better life in the future by putting the past behind them. So what is bankruptcy? Well, it's a federally legislated remedy that allows you to get rid of unmanageable debt. So if you've got two much debt, um, no matter what the source is, it could be government, it could be private lenders, it could be the big banks, bankruptcy is your opportunity to get a fresh start um, unburdened by a, an amount of debt that you may never be able to, re to repay if you didn't get the help. So to be eligible to file for bankruptcy, you have to owe at least $1,000, which is a very low bar, and trust me, nobody files bankruptcy owing just $1,000 these days, um, but that's the, basically the table stakes, at least $1,000 of debt, and you have to be insolvent, and insolvent means that you can't repay your debts as you're being asked to do so, or that the debts you have are worth more than the assets you have. Even if you sold everything, you wouldn't be able to pay off all your debt. Now, just because you're insolvent doesn't mean you're in bankruptcy and doesn't mean you have to file for bankruptcy. Insolvent is just a calculation you do on a sheet of paper, and many people at many points in their lives will be in a situation where they're basically insolvent on paper. They owe more money than they have assets, but very few of those people will have to file for bankruptcy. 
what bankruptcy is, is saying, you know, I'm in an insolvent situation, I don't see that things are going to be able to get better, and I need the relief granted by the Canadian government to get me back on track to give me a fresh start. So very quickly, you don't need to get permission from the court or your creditors to file for bankruptcy. You don't need to hire a lawyer to represent you. Just about every bankruptcy in Canada and everyone that I've done over the last 15 years has been a voluntary proceeding. So no one gets forced into this proceeding. It's you come and see a trustee, you decide who you're going to work with, when you're going to start the proceeding, um, and almost right away you get some relief from that debt stress and you just focus on completing a bankruptcy proceeding um, to get you that fresh start. And the key that you that you included in, in what you just said is, but you do have to see a trustee. You have to go to a licensed insolvency trustee. They're the only person who can facilitate or navigate you through the system. They've got you've got the clout, you've got the legal representation to do that, and nobody else does. Exactly, Elaine. So if you need to file a bankruptcy in Canada, you can't do it on your own. It doesn't matter what lawyer you might try to hire. They're not allowed to file it either. The government created a distinct role of a licensed insolvency trustee where we're the only professionals, the only officers of the court that are empowered to help individuals file either bankruptcies or consumer proposals. And what's great about dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee is it's not like you're hiring a lawyer and you're negotiating an hourly fee and you're worried about upfront costs. Everything is free and confidential to start. And then once you go through with the proceeding, everything is set by government tariffs. So there's no surprises. So let's talk a little bit about, about the process and the various steps. And the step one, Elaine, as you alluded to, is to connect with a licensed insolvency trustee. And at Sands & Associates, we've got a number of LITs. We serve the entire province. And whether you opt for a virtual meeting, a telephone meeting, or an in-person meeting, we'll talk with you confidentially to understand and assess your situation and discuss all of the options that are possible for you to resolve your debt. So of, of the people that we help now, about 15 to 20 percent of them end up filing for bankruptcy. So it's far from a sure thing when you when you phone up Sands and Associates that you'll be put into a bankruptcy proceeding. What about 85 percent of people or 90 are doing these days um, is filing consumer proposals, which we're going to talk about in other segments. But by seeing a trustee, you're going to get access to the full suite of debt resolution options that are available to you. And it all starts with that free initial consultation. Okay, and then step two, Blair, for someone? Well, step two, if we've had a really good discussion, we've explained the options and the person decides that they need to move forward with a personal bankruptcy, we ask them to complete an information form. So it's nothing that you wouldn't anticipate having to provide. It's things like ID, it's your most recent bill statements, your last tax return, um, you know, proof of your income. It's all the things that are going to help the trustee assemble your file and get it ready to be submitted. And all of these things can happen pretty, pretty quickly. So sometimes when people come in thinking they need to file for bankruptcy, it's because, my gosh, their wages are being garnished at 30%, they're getting, you know, 70% of what their normal paycheck would be because creditors are taking it from them before it even reaches their, their, their hands. So if we needed to work quickly, we could file a bankruptcy in as little as 24 hours and put a stop to those collection activities, those wage seizures, so someone can get pretty immediate relief once they've completed the information form, we've prepared the documents, and they've been in our offices or virtually met us with, you know, DocuSign or various things like that um, to sign the documents to start the proceeding. And, and the way to start that proceeding is two ways. You can call them at 1-800-661-3030. You're calling Sands & Associates, 1-800-661-3030. Or you can go to the website, sands-trustee.com, and start that process. So how about step number three, Blair? 
Well, so step three is you've met with the trustee, you've put the information together, you've signed the documents. Well, now you need to complete the bankruptcy process. And again, a lot of people think going into bankruptcy, oh my gosh, it's six or seven years, there's going to be notices in the newspaper, someone's going to show up at my house and start carting away my furniture. None of those things are going to happen. So what's going to happen is your trustee or your estate manager, who's a person that works very closely with the trustee, is going to guide you through the process. Our objective is the same as yours. Let's have no surprises. Let's get this done. Done, you know, as quickly as it can be done and as inexpensively as it can be done while respecting the law. So the core things that an individual has to focus on if they file for bankruptcy, and keep in mind they're not paying any of their debts anymore, they are not have no responsibilities to their creditors, what they have to do to the trustee is every month they have to complete a statement of income and expense. So it's a one-page budget sheet, and it just shows here's the income of the household, and you provide some pay stubs to confirm it, and then where did that money go? So how much went for food, groceries, entertainment, travel, so on and so forth. You don't need to prove your expenses, and the trustee is typically not going to audit you on them, but it's important part of bankruptcy is a financial rehab rehabilitation component. Uh, not everyone is in bankruptcy because they couldn't budget. Some people are, but not many. Uh, but everyone can benefit from just having to keep a regular budget, and that's about 80% of the work that you do in bankruptcy is just keeping that budget every month. Um, aside from keeping that budget, there's going to be a payment obligation in bankruptcy that's going to be set by your income. So in the event that you're considered low income, which for an individual is with monthly income after taxes of less than roughly $2,400 in the province of BC, if you're low income, you pay just an administration fee um, over the nine-month period of bankruptcy. Again, not six or seven years, about nine months or so. Um, you pay a fee of about $2,300 set into manageable monthly payments. If you're not low income, the bankruptcy duration is longer by about a year. It's about 21 months in total, and your payment is based on your income. It can scale up or down if your income goes up or down. Um, but again, all this is explained to individuals before they start a bankruptcy proceeding. So we said you'll keep a budget, you'll make some payments based on your income. The last thing is you're going to attend two financial counseling, uh, counseling sessions. They're normally done over video these days, occasionally in the office as well. They're great information to help you rebuild your credit have a good financial have good financial habits emerging from bankruptcy and really move forward trying to put this in the rearview mirror and rebuild all of your credit going forward. So those are the main steps that you've got to do. You prove your income, you make some payments, you keep the budget each month, and then you attend the two financial counseling sessions. Okay. So do you want to do step four or would you like to spend this last bit of time talking about uh, the signs that you recommend someone consider personal bankruptcy? Well, let's see here. What I'm thinking, Elena, step four is, is pretty quick, so that's just basically yeah. a certificate of discharge. Let's talk a bit about what bankruptcy doesn't mean, because I'm always concerned, you know, people have these various mis misconceptions, and sometimes that will stop them from reaching out because they think they know something for sure that actually isn't true. So, you know, again, step four in the proceeding is you finish the bankruptcy, your trustee gives you a certificate of discharge, and that legal document means that all of those debts that were causing all those issues, they're now legally gone. Full and final settlement, never again can they bother you. So that's a really important step, the trustee giving you that certificate. Excellent. Okay. And I, I agree. I think that's great. And that's why you do this work and I don't do this work on a daily basis. But there are, there's so many good examples of what bankruptcy doesn't mean for people. And it's really going up against all the myths and the ideas, the, the pre, you know, the already decided ideas that we have about bankruptcy. So let's go through those, Blair. What does, what does it mean and what doesn't it mean? 
Yeah, so a couple things first off. Again, people think bankruptcy, everyone's going to know about it. Well, they're only going to know about it if you choose to tell them is generally how I would say it because when you file a bankruptcy, obviously your trustee is aware, the people that you owe money to are aware because they've got to be told to back off, and then my regulator is aware, but that's about it. There's no newspaper notice. There's no easily searchable online database. They Google somebody's name plus bankruptcy. It's just not going to show up. So in some cultures around the world, bankruptcy is very public. It is a public shaming, literally red tags on people's doors. There is nothing like that in Canada. So it's quite possible for someone to file for bankruptcy and people very close to them in their lives, sometimes even their spouses, to not be aware. And we don't advocate that. We generally say, you know, the support of the people that care about you can be really important as you go through a proceeding. But who you tell, when you tell, what you tell is generally up to you. Only the people that need to know about a bankruptcy are informed. It covers almost all the debts a person has? Yeah, this is a, a huge one because a lot of people think, um, you know, bankruptcy can only cover whether it's bank debts or private loans, but not government debts. There's various misconceptions, but bankruptcy is almost an all-inclusive type of remedy to deal with debt. The only almost is things like child support, spousal support, court-imposed fines. Like, these are the types of debts where logically you would think, okay, maybe you shouldn't be able to go bankrupt to get those reduced. But just about everything else, amounts owing to the government, whether it's GST, student loans, income taxes, whatever it might be, they can all be dealt with in a bankruptcy, including private loans, loans to government, just about anything you can imagine um, can be discharged in through a bankruptcy proceeding. So I have sometimes people say, I didn't reach out because I just thought there was no solution. Um, you should take some hope. There is always a solution to every debt problem. Um, and reaching out to a trustee who can let you know very quickly how the, the bankruptcy process could be of benefit to you. And the last piece, just a, a short one, about what you're going to be deprived of. I know people get very concerned about their assets or their income at this point. Yeah, very quickly, most people keep all of their assets following a bankruptcy. If you're going to have to surrender anything, your trustee will let you know right away. But just about everybody keeps all of their personal assets and whatnot. Um, and your wages get paid directly to you in a bankruptcy. So the payments that you have to make, you're under your control. Your trustee does not intercept your income ever in a bankruptcy. Pay attention to this website. It's sands-trustee.com. That's filled with all this good information. If you missed anything or if you know you want to take some action, give them a call at 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. So we talk a lot about consumer proposals, per personal bankruptcy, how to manage, how to do each of them. But I'd like to talk about what's better the consumer proposal or personal bankruptcy? What's the difference in the considerations that folks need to sort of take time to think about before they launch off in one way or the other? So we're going to talk about the consumer debt solution and some key considerations as you weigh whether or between the two, the proposal or the personal bankruptcy. And Blair Manton's going to uh, take us through this. So what can, I guess we should start with what a consumer proposal is, because it's still pretty much a new word or could be a new word to lots of folks, and then what it means to file personal bankruptcy. Yeah, for sure. Let's start off with just, just the basics. So a consumer proposal um, is a means of consolidating your debt together reducing the debt down to what you can afford and stopping all future interest. So in a simple example, someone might have, you know, five or six different credit cards, some income tax, maybe some GST owing. Maybe that totals $50,000. The minimum payments on it are huge. They're unable to make those and they're worried about being sued for their debts. What a consumer proposal could do would be to say to those creditors, here's an offer. What the person can repay is about a third of that debt. So maybe it's fifteen or $16,000 and they're going to make those payments over equal 
equal monthly installments with no interest of up to five years. So a consumer proposal is a non-borrowing consolidation option that allows an individual to avoid a personal bankruptcy by reducing their debts down to what they can afford to repay, no further interest, no additional fees. It can be an absolute lifesaver. And about 85% of the people that come to see trustees at Sands and Associates end up filing a consumer proposal because they just feel good about that opportunity to restructure their debts, to save all the interest and move forward without having to file a bankruptcy. Now, that being said, a bankruptcy is not the end of the world by any means. It's a new beginning and it's allowing you to start again. So for the 15% of clients that choose to file a personal bankruptcy, in a personal bankruptcy, you get full debt forgiveness. So you're not asked to repay a portion of your debt. Uh, it's not a period of, month, of monthly payments over years. It's based on your asset. It's based on your income. And for someone who has never been bankrupt before and is relatively low income, a personal bankruptcy proceeding can be relatively quick, um, unintrusive. It can be over in as little as nine months and help that person get a fresh financial start. Okay. So what? I guess there's a flexibility in the consumer proposal versus the bankruptcy. Is, is that a fair question? Yeah, there, there definitely is more flexibility in a consumer proposal because like any type of a proposal, it can be accepted or rejected. There can be some negotiations, so, so on and so forth. So when you make a consumer proposal, you know, you're determining how much of the debt you can afford to repay. And that type of repayment can be done on a flexible basis, as you mentioned, Elaine. So in some cases, it can be a lump sum payment where you're going to offer back maybe it's 15 or 20 cents on the dollar of your debt that you know, a family member or a friend is willing to, to give to you. So it can be a third-party lump sum payment, all the way down to it could be low payments for 59 months of the 60-month term, and then one final payment at the end because, you know, you're planning to sell an asset or have a big bonus at work or something like that. So a consumer proposal can be tailored to an individual's circumstances, and the amount of the debt repaid, you know, the general guidelines are often in the range of 20 to 40 cents on the dollar, but I've seen proposals as low as single digits, you know, maybe 7 or 8% of the debt, depending on the circumstances, and I've seen them as high as a hundred percent repayment of the debt if that was what the person was able to afford. Okay. Now I know there's a difference in terms of the time that it takes or the time that it can take to use either one of those as, as your debt solution. Yeah, typically in the way that I would say it is, you know, a bankruptcy is almost always going to be your cheaper and quickest way to deal with your debt situation, especially if you're in a low-income situation. But even if you're not in a low-income situation, if it's the first time you've been through a bankruptcy, the bankruptcy is going to finish uh, in as little as nine months or 21 months if you're not low-income. That compares to a consumer proposal, which, again, it's usually monthly payments uh, over a term. It can't be any longer than five years, but what's great with the consumer proposal is you are able to pay it off sooner at any point. So you can make extra payments whenever you choose to do so. Um, you can choose to pay the whole thing off in one shot and you're not really held to that term. It's just when you're able to pay off that reduced amount of the debt, that's when the proposal would finish. Okay. Now I know we, you want to talk about credit history too, because that's something that folks always want to ask about and get more information on. But I just want to throw in the idea that if you already know that you want to do one or the other, or you're not quite sure whether it's a consumer proposal or personal bankruptcy, the phone number for Sands and Associates is 1-800-661-3030 or the website sands-trustee.com. And you can access getting an appointment to one of the many offices all over the province using that website, sands-trustee.com. So do you want to talk a little bit about credit history? Is, is that, a, is that a, something important for folks to know about? 
Elaine, there's probably nobody I've met with over the last 15 years that has not asked about credit history. So, yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's important. Um, and they oh, that's funny. So, oh, yeah, it's, it's something people are very focused on, and with good reason, too, because, you know, it's a good indicator um, of, you know, part of our finances is our credit rating. Anything that we're going to do, we want to understand all the potential repercussions, the short-term, medium-term, long-term. But at the end of the day, even a bankruptcy is not a permanent mark on your credit forever. None of these are going to carry with you for the rest of your life, whether it's a bankruptcy or a proposal. What's going to happen is if you complete a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, first off in a bankruptcy, when you complete a bankruptcy, and often as little as nine months, there's going to be a notation on your credit report that for the next six years, if somebody pulls a credit report, they're going to see that you have filed a bankruptcy. Okay, doesn't mean they're not going to give you credit, and quite many, quite a, a lot of people are in much better financial shape after a bankruptcy than they were before because they have no debt. They're, that's all gone. If they're earning good income, um, they're showing, you know, it came, came through a serious legal proceeding, they're probably going to take the next person that loans them money pretty seriously and might be a good customer for life. So quite often, people rebuild their credit after even a bankruptcy proceeding in as little as two to three years. And by rebuilding their credit, I mean they're able to finance vehicles, even able to qualify for a mortgage without any crazy risk premiums as little as two to three years after a bankruptcy. So the myth that bankruptcy takes seven years often comes from, well, there is a six-year credit rating impact. But again, those six years don't make you untouchable. Uh, It disappears after those six years, so it's not like it's there forever, but you can rebuild the credit far more quickly than that. Uh, A consumer proposal is less severe to begin with. So if you're ever asked, did you declare bankruptcy, you could say no if you filed a consumer proposal because it's not a bankruptcy. It's a totally different legal remedy. Now, any time you don't pay your debts back in full, your credit rating does take a hit. But again, similar to a bankruptcy, it's nothing you can't recover from and probably quicker than you think. When a proposal is filed, there's a notation on your credit report that's going to disappear the sooner of six years from the day you file that proposal or three years from when you pay it off. So if it's a five-year proposal, for example, a year after you make your last payment, that proposal is off your credit like it never happened, never going to be there again. Um, Or if it's a lump sum proposal or a proposal that you pay off earlier, it could be as little as three years of credit rating impact if you pay the proposal off sooner. Okay. The thing that I like about Sands and Associates, which I think is just such an important aspect of how you do the work, how your company does the work, is that private financial counseling sessions that are a part, that are a significant piece of either one of those solutions. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, with pleasure, Elaine. And it's funny because a lot of people phone us up years later and they're very happy about the debt reduction, but what they're really over the moon about is the counseling, the great habits that they got, the tips, the techniques, the understanding of how credit works and how debt works and how they can avoid you know, getting themselves caught in similar situations. So under both of a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, you have to attend two private one-on-one financial counseling sessions focused on budgeting, credit rebuilding, you know, rehabilitating any financial habits that might have gotten you here in, in the past and putting on a good track for the future. So it's a huge part of both proceedings and huge value to clients. Yeah, huge value. That whole, you know, learning from history, doomed to repeat it, that kind of thing comes to mind when I think about the counseling sessions and the fact that you even spoke to that, Blair, that you have people who say, oh yeah, those those sessions were significant uh, in how I move forward with my finances. It's just such a good 
uh, just a lovely thing to, to be able to say about Sands & Associates. I'm going to give you their phone number again. It's 1-800-661-3030 uh, to sit down with someone and and start on this process. Uh, or the website, sands-trustee.com, filled with good information as well as access to one of the many offices all over British Columbia. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. This is part two of our our two segments on trustee tips for debt and other money matters. Uh, and so Blair's going to share some more tips with us about how to deal with debt, manage money, as well as our personal financial affairs. So before we get back into the uh, do's and don'ts, can you tell us a bit about Sands and Associates and what you and your team do, just in case there's somebody that doesn't know? Oh, certainly. I'm proud to say Sands & Associates is BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees focused on helping individuals and small businesses solve their financial problems. Uh, we were founded in 1990, so coming into our 33rd year of operations. And, you know, it's one thing to help a lot of people, which we've done over the years, but what we're most proud about is our approach to helping people. So we treat everybody with dignity, with respect, with empathy. Um, as I say, if they walk through our door, a lot of things are virtual these days, but as they make contact with us, they should feel that right away, that we're not here to judge. We're people helping people, and we just know anybody at any point in their life could be faced with a debt problem. So we try to be obviously professionally competent, but also empathetic, understanding, and compassionate about the circumstances that bring people to seek our help. Excellent. And I know you've got lots of different ways that you approach topics uh, with folks and to help them with their debt management. Yeah, so everything starts with with a confidential free debt consultation. So that's where we assess your situation. We evaluate, look at all of your debt relief options, the ones that may include using a licensed insolvency trustee and either, even others that you may or may not be aware of. We'll answer questions about all of your rights, your remedies, your responsibilities, um, give you all of the key resources you need to make a good decision about dealing with your debt. Um, if it ends up that you need to formally restructure your debts, well, we're empowered by the federal government to help you either consolidate and reduce your debts with a consumer proposal or eliminate the debt completely with a personal bankruptcy. But it all starts with just that first no obligation, confidential conversation. And then you really get someone who's interested in your situation, ready to help you figure out your options. And I just want to stress again, when you talked about in the the very beginning of this segment, about sort of the culture of Sands and Associates and, and how you deal with people and talk to people. I got to say, we, we met a couple of folks that work within the, within your offices, uh, years ago when we started doing this show. And I couldn't get over how, you know, thoughtful and articulate and kind, uh, and knowledgeable, right? So they had that wonderful balance of knowledge as well as we're very empathetic and prepared to help somebody. I, I'd like you to talk about that for just a second. Yeah, and you know, I, I sometimes I worry if it sounds a, a little bit hokey, but you know, I, we have my staff and I discuss it all the time, just the unique privilege that we have to be able to ease suffering in others. And if I can think about something that motivates me to get up in the morning, it's, well, I'm going to meet a bunch of people today who are experiencing pain, and their pain is going to be somewhat lessened because they had a conversation with me or with my staff. And I know everyone that works with me, it's that type of thing. It's just knowing we're contributing, we're helping somebody, giving them information, oftentimes starting to help them get their self-esteem back because quite often people have been so beaten down. You know, we all want to honor our obligations. And even that word, honor our obligations, it doesn't mean you're a dishonorable person because you can't pay your debts. But some 
sometimes the first, you know, nice conversation people are having about money is when they're having that conversation with us. And we take that very seriously, knowing the responsibility that comes uh, with that opportunity to help people ease their suffering and their pain. And while you suggested it might sound hokey, Blair, I know that it's just so true about you, especially, and the reason why you became a licensed insolvency trustee in the very beginning was to, to give people a hand, uh, when they get into these situations. And I just want to, I just want to say that out loud. You don't have to respond to it, but I think it's important that people know that. The other thing I want to, uh, throw in here just before we continue on is the phone number. So 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number you can use all over for British Columbia to set up that first meeting. Uh, the website again is sands-trustee.com. So we covered a lot in the first segment of this two-parter. Can you share more tips around managing credit or avoid common challenges with borrowing that, that, you've, that you've run into, that folks you have talked to have run into? Oh, certainly. You know, one really important one is the idea of always paying more than the minimum if you can't avoid carrying a balance on your credit card. We've often called this the minimum payment trap. And I encourage anybody, if you're carrying a balance on your credit card, look closely at the statement because they have to tell you how long it's going to take to pay things off if you only make the minimum payments. That's a government requirement over the last number of years. Um, even small balances can take quite a prolonged time to pay off. So, you know, the numbers here are pretty indicative. If it was a 24% interest rate, which is kind of a mid level card, you know, store cards are higher at the 29s or 30s. Sometimes bank cards are a little bit lower, but 24% is pretty reasonable. Uh, at a 24% interest rate, your debt's going to double every three years. So even a $6,000 debt could take 40 years to pay off just making your minimum monthly payments. And, you know, you can imagine if the interest rates are higher than that, if you've got a 30% card or even a payday loan, for example, you know, you might be paying interest charges for decades to come on even just a small card. So you've really got to make sure that just because you're able to make the minimum payments, that does not mean you're doing everything right for your own financial situation. It means you're making the bank a whole lot of interest money every month, uh, but you might be trapping yourself into a cycle of payments that's not going to end um, you know, for decades to come unless you do something different. So if you're able to pay more than the minimums, that's great. Definitely start to do so. If you're really struggling to just make the minimum payments, that's a huge indication that you'd benefit from speaking with a licensed insolvency trustee. Excellent. Do you want to mention the rule of the rule of 60 that we've talked about before? Yeah, that can be just a really good kind of a thumbnail type of sketch of do I have a financial issue? So the way you do this math um, is to say you take all of your debt, um, so your credit cards, student loans, lines of credit, or whatever, divide that number by 60. So maybe it's $30,000 divided by 60, that's $500. So $500, does that seem like a monthly payment you could afford? Because that's what it's going to take to get you out of debt in any reasonable amount of time. That's just saying to pay off the principal in five years, and obviously the interest is going to take you a bit longer. But if you find, hey, that 500 is not possible in any way, shape, or form, that's, again, another big indication that, hey, maybe changing the game a little bit, getting some help with your debts is really going to help you deal with the situation, get you out of debt way quicker than under your own accord. I, I, can we skip ahead to the, the payday and installment loans? Because mm -hmm. I just feel that it's important to remind folks, because we get inundated with commercials and, and suggestions that this is the way to go and it's so easy and so available. Uh, but the danger, the danger that comes with dealing with these. 
Yeah, these uh, types of loans, so the payday loans or installment loans, I've seen just an explosion of them definitely in the last five years, and especially even in the last you know few months or so, it feels like we're seeing more and more. And payday loans are your lender of last resort. So it's generally people can't borrow money anywhere else, so they end up at a payday lender. And because payday loans are high risk to the lender, the costs are incredibly high to the individual. So the criminal code says that the maximum amount of interest that can be charged in Canada is 60%, but they've got exceptions for payday lenders who can be up around 500% when you add in all the interest and fees. So it's very rare I see an individual that has just a single payday loan. It often breeds a vicious cycle where you need to take a second payday loan to pay off the first, the third to the second. Um, I've seen more than 10, even more than 20 different payday lenders that people are dealing with, and you can just imagine the stress at that point. So the best case is if you're finding that you need to borrow money from a payday lender, it's your lender of last resort, you need to investigate, is this the only way for me to be dealing with your situation? Is it a temporary thing? Okay, I've got a one-time only car repair. I just need some quick money. I know I can pay it back. But if it's turning into anything more than just a one-time only quick borrowing, uh, you definitely would need the help of a trustee because with those interest rates and charges, you could be locked into a downward spiral. Okay. Now, we've only got about 25 seconds left, but you've got some key points at the last of this segment about advice around what to do if debt is becoming an, an issue. Well, the biggest thing, again, is always to reach out for help. Uh, what you want to do is to assess, you know, your various warning signs. So sometimes people are getting calls or getting letters or getting collection activities being threatened against them, but it doesn't have to be that dire. If you just find you're not looking towards being debt-free in any reasonable amount of time, now is the time to reach out for help, get that consultation and speak to a trustee. And all the other issues can get covered under that that session of asking for help. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. The website, sands-trustee.com. The phone number, 1-800-661-3030. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.